0: This one titled, The Valley of Fear. When McMurdo awoke next morning, he had good reason to remember his initiation into the lodge. His head ached with the effect of the drink, and his arm, where he had been branded, was hot and swollen. Having his own peculiar source of income, he was irregular in his attendance at his work, so he had a late breakfast and remained at home for the morning writing a long letter to a friend. Afterwards, he read the Daily Herald. In a special column put in at the last moment, he read Outrage at the Herald Office. editor seriously injured. It was a short account of the facts with which he was himself more familiar than the writer could have been. It ended with the statement The matter is now in the hands of the police, but it can hardly be hoped that their exertions will be attended by any better results than in the past. Some of the men were recognized, and there is hope that a conviction may be obtained. The source of the outrage was It need hardly be said, that infamous society which has held this community in bondage for so long a period, and against which the Herald has taken so uncompromising a stand, Mr. Stanger's many friends will rejoice to hear that, though he has been cruelly and brutally beaten, and though he has sustained severe injuries about the head, there is no immediate danger to his life. Below, it stated that a guard of police, armed with Winchester rifles, had been requisitioned for the defense of the office. McMurdo had laid down the paper, and was lighting his pipe with a hand which was shaky from the excesses of the previous evening, when there was a knock outside, and his landlady brought to him a note which had just been handed in by a lad. It was unsigned, and ran thus. "'I should wish to speak to you, but would rather not do so in your house. You will find me beside the flagstaff upon Miller Hill. If you will come there now, I have something which it is important for you to hear, and for me to say.' McMurdo read the note twice with the utmost surprise, for he could not imagine what it meant or who was the author of it. Had it been in a feminine hand, he might have imagined that it was the beginning of one of those adventures which had been familiar enough in his past life. But it was the writing of a man, and of a well-educated one, too. Finally, after some hesitation, he determined to see the matter through. Miller Hill is an ill-kept public park in the very center of the town. In summer it is a favorite resort of the people. "'but in winter it is desolate enough. "'From the top of it one has a view "'not only of the whole straggling, grimy town, "'but of the winding valley beneath, "'with its scattered mines and factories "'blackening the snow on each side of it, "'and of the wooded and white-capped ranges flanking it. "'McMurdo strolled up the winding path "'hedged in with evergreens "'until he reached the deserted restaurant "'which forms the centre of summer gaiety. "'Beside it was a bare flagstaff, "'and underneath it a man, "'his hat drawn down, "'and the collar of his overcoat turned up. "'When he turned his face, McMurdo saw that it was Brother Morris, "'he who had incurred the anger of the bodymaster the night before. "'The lodge sign was given and exchanged as they met. "'I wanted to have a word with you, McMurdo,' said the older man, "'speaking with a hesitation which showed that he was on delicate ground. "'It was kind of you to come. "'Why did you not put your name to the note?' "'One has to be cautious, mister. "'One never knows in times like these "'how a thing may come back to one. "'One never knows either "'who to trust or who not to trust. "'Surely one may trust "'Brothers of the Lodge.' "'No, no, not always,' "'cried Morris, with vehemence. "'Whatever we say, "'even what we think, "'seems to go back to that man McGinty.' "'Look here,' said McMurdo sternly. "'It was only last night, "'as you know well.' "'that I swore good faith to our body-master. "'Would you be asking me to break my oath?' (sighs) "'If that is the view you take,' said Morris sadly, "'I can only say that I am sorry I gave you the trouble to come and meet me. "'Things have come to a bad pass "'when two free citizens cannot speak their thoughts to each other.' "'McMurdo, who had been watching his companion very narrowly, "'relaxed somewhat in his bearing. "'I spoke for myself only,' said he. "'I am a newcomer, as you know, and I am strange to it all. "'It is not for me to open my mouth, Mr. Morris, "'and if you think well to say anything to me, I am here to hear it.' "'And to take it back to Boss McGinty?' said Morris bitterly. "'Indeed, then, you do me injustice there,' cried McMurdo. "'For myself I am loyal to the Lodge, and so I tell you straight. "'But I would be a poor creature if I were to repeat to any other "'what you might say to me in confidence.' It will go no further than me, trust me, though I warn you that you may get neither help nor sympathy. "'I've given up looking for either the one or the other,' said Morris. "'I may be putting my very life in your hands by what I say, but, bad as you are, and it seemed to me last night that you were shaping to be as bad as the worst. Still, you are new to it, and your conscience cannot yet be as hardened as theirs.' "'That was why I thought to speak with you.' "'Well, what have you to say?' "'If you give me away, may a curse be upon you.' "'I said I would not. "'I would ask you, then, when you joined the Freeman Society in Chicago "'and swore vows of charity and fidelity, "'did it ever cross your mind that you might find it would lead you to crime?' "'If you call it crime,' McMurdo answered.' "'Call it crime!' cried Morris, his voice vibrating with passion. "'You have seen little of it if you can call it anything else. "'Was it crime last night when a man old enough to be your father was beaten "'till the blood dripped from his white hairs? "'Was that crime? "'What else would you call it?' "'There are some who would say it was war,' said McMurdo. "'A war of two classes with all in, so that each struck as best it could.' Well, did you think of such a thing when you joined the Freeman Society Chicago? No, I'm bound to say I did not. Nor did I when I joined it in Philadelphia. It was just a benefit club and a meeting place for one's fellows. Then I heard of this place. Curse the hour that the name first fell upon my ears. And I came to better myself. My God, to better myself. My wife and three children came with me. "'I started a dry-goods store on Market Square, and I prospered well. "'The word had gone round that I was a free man, "'and I was forced to join the local lodge, same as you did last night. "'I have the badge of shame on my forearm, "'and something worse branded on my heart. "'I found that I was under the orders of a black villain "'and caught in a meshwork of crime. "'What could I do? "'Every word I said to make things better was taken as treason, "'same as it was last night. "'I can't get away.' "'for all I have in the world is in my store. "'If I leave the society, "'I know well that it means murder for me, "'and God knows what to my wife and children. "'Oh, man, it is awful, awful.' "'He put his hands to his face, "'and his body shook with convulsive sobs. "'McMurdo shrugged his shoulders. "'You are too soft for the job,' said he. "'You are the wrong sort for such work.' I had a conscience and a religion, but they made me a criminal among them. I was chosen for a job. If I backed down, I knew well what would come to me. Maybe I'm a coward. Maybe it's the thought of my poor little woman and the children that makes me one. Anyhow, I went. I guess it will haunt me forever. It was a lonely house twenty miles from here, over the range yonder. I was told off for the door, same as you were last night. They could not trust me with the job. The others went in. When they came out, their hands were crimson to the wrists. As we turned away, a child was screaming out of the house behind us. It was a boy of five who had seen his father murdered. I nearly fainted with the horror of it, and yet I had to keep a bold and smiling face, for well I knew that if I did not, it would be out of my house that they would come next with their bloody hands, and it would be my little Fred that would be screaming for his father. But I was a criminal then, part sharer in a murder. "'lost forever in this world, "'and lost also in the next. "'I'm a good Catholic, "'but the priest would have no word with me "'when he heard I was a scourer, "'and I am excommunicated from my faith, "'and that's how it stands with me. "'And I see you going down the same road, "'and I ask you what the end is to be. "'Are you ready to be a cold-blooded murderer also, "'or can we do anything to stop it? "'What would you do? "'asked McMurdo abruptly. "'You would not inform?' "'God forbid!' cried Morris. "'Sure, the very thought would cost me my life.' "'That's well,' said McMurdo. "'I'm thinking that you are a weak man "'and that you make too much of the matter.' "'Too much? "'Wait till you've lived here longer. "'Look down that valley. "'You see the cloud of a hundred chimneys "'that overshadows it. "'I'd tell you that the cloud of murder—' hangs thicker and lower than that over the heads of the people. It is the valley of fear, the valley of death. The terror is in the hearts of the people from the dusk till the dawn. Just wait, young man, and you'll learn for yourself. Well, I'll let you know what I think when I've seen more, said McMurdo carelessly. What is very clear is that you are not the man for the place, and that the sooner you sell out, "'If you only get a dime for every dollar "'for what the business is worth, "'the better it will be for you. "'What you have said is safe with me. "'But by gar, "'if I thought you were an informer!' "'No! "'No!' cried Morris, piteously. "'Then let it rest at that. "'I'll bear what you have said in mind, "'and maybe some day I'll come back to it. "'I expect you meant kindly "'by speaking to me like this. "'Now I'll be getting home.' "'One word before you go,' said Morris. "'We may have been seen together. "'They may want to know what we've spoken about.' "'Ah, that's well thought of. "'I offered you a clerkship in my store.' "'And I refuse it. "'That's our business. "'Well, so long, Brother Morris, "'and may you find things go better with you in the future. "'We'll return to our story right after these sponsor messages.' Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And now back to our story. That same afternoon as McMurdo sat smoking, lost in thought beside the stove of his sitting room, the door swung open and its framework was filled with the huge frame of Boss McGinty. He passed the sign... "'and then seated himself opposite to the young man "'he looked at him steadily for some time, "'a look which was as steadily returned. "'I'm not much of a visitor, Brother McMurdo,' he said at last. "'I guess I'm too busy over the folk that visit me. "'But I thought I'd stretch a "'and drop down to see you in your own house.' "'I'm proud to see you here, Counselor,' McMurdo answered heartily, "'bringing his whiskey bottle out of the cupboard. "'It's an honor that I had not expected.' "'How's the arm?' "'asked the boss. McMurdo made a wry face. "'Well, I'm not forgetting it,' he said. "'But it's worth it.' "'Yes, it's worth it,' the other answered. "'To those that are loyal and go through with it "'and are help to the lodge. "'What were you speaking to Brother Morris about "'on Miller Hill this morning?' "'The question came so suddenly "'that it was well that he had his answer prepared. "'He burst into a hearty laugh.' "'Morris didn't know I could earn a living here at home. "'He shan't know, either, "'for he has got too much conscience for the likes of me. "'But he's a good-hearted old chap. "'It was his idea that I was in a loose end, "'and that he would do me a good turn "'by offering me a clerkship in the dry-goods store.' "'Oh, that that was it?' "'Yes, that was it.' "'And you refused it?' "'Sure. "'Couldn't I earn ten times as much in my own bedroom "'with four hours' work?' That's so, but I wouldn't get about too much with Morris. Why not? Well, I guess because I tell you not. That's enough for most folk in these parts. It may be enough for most folk, but it ain't enough for me, Counselor, said McMurdo boldly. If you are a judge of men, you'll know that. The swarthy giant glared at him. "'and his hairy paw closed for an instant round the glass "'as though he would hurl it at the head of his companion. "'Then he laughed in his loud, boisterous, insincere fashion. "'You're a queer card for sure,' said he. "'Well, if you want reasons, I'll give them. "'Did Morris say nothing to you against the lodge?' "'No. "'Nor against me?' "'No. "'Well, that's because he daren't trust you. "'But in his heart he is not a loyal brother.' "'We know that well. "'So we watch him and we wait for the time to admonish him. "'I'm thinking that that time is drawing near. "'There's no room for scabby sheep in our pen. "'But if you keep company with the disloyal man, "'we might think that you were disloyal as well. "'See?' "'There's no chance of my keeping company with him, "'for I dislike the man,' McMurdo answered. "'As to being disloyal, if it was any man but you,' he would not use the word to me twice. "'Well, that's enough,' said McGinty, draining off his glass. "'I came down to give you a word in season, and you had it.' "'I'd like to know,' said McMurdo. "'How you ever came to learn that I had spoken with Morris at all?' McGinty laughed. "'It's it's my business to know what goes on in this township,' said he. "'I guess you'd best reckon on my hearing all that passes.' "'Well, time's up. "'And I'll just say—' "'But his leave-taking was cut short "'in a very unexpected fashion. "'With a sudden crash, the door flew open, "'and three frowning, intent faces "'glared in at them from under the peaks of police caps. "'McMurdo sprang to his feet "'and half-drew his revolver, "'but his arm stopped midway "'as he became conscious that two Winchester rifles "'were leveled at his head. "'A man in uniform advanced into the room, "'a six-shooter in hand. "'It was Captain Marvin— "'once of Chicago, and now of the mine constabulary.' "'He shook his head with a half-smile at McMurdo. "'I thought you'd be getting into trouble, "'Mr. Crooked McMurdo of Chicago,' said he. "'Can't keep out of it, can you? "'Take your hat and come along with us.' "'I guess you'll pay for this, Captain Marvin,' said McGinty. "'Who are you, I'd like to know, "'to break into a house in this fashion "'and molest honest, law-abiding men?' "'You're standing out in this deal.' "'Counselor McGinty,' said the police captain. "'We're not out after you, but after this man McMurdo. "'It is for you to help, not to hinder us in our duty.' "'Well, he's a friend of mine, and I'll answer for his conduct,' said the boss. "'By all accounts, Mr. McGinty, you may have to answer for your own conduct one of these days,' the captain answered. "'This man McMurdo was a crook before he ever came here, and he's a crook still. "'Cover him, patrolmen," while I disarm him.' "'There's my pistol,' said McMurdo coolly. "'Maybe, Captain Marvin, if you and I were alone and face to face, you would not take me so easily.' "'Where's your warrant?' asked McGinty. "'By gar! A man might as well live in Russia, as in Vermissa, while folk like you are running the police. It's a capitalist outrage, and you'll hear more of it, I reckon. "'You do what you think is your duty the best way you can, Counselor. We'll look after ours.' "'What am I accused of?' asked McMurdo. "Of being concerned in the beating of old editor Stanger at the Herald office. "'It wasn't your fault that it isn't a murder charge.' "'Well, if that's all you have against him,' cried McGinty with a laugh, "'you can save yourself a deal of trouble by dropping it right now. "'The man was with me in my saloon playing poker up to midnight, "'and I can bring a dozen to prove it. "'That's your affair, and I guess you can settle it in court tomorrow. "'Meanwhile, come on, McMurdo.' "'and come quietly if you don't want a gun across your head. "'You stand wide, Mr. McGinty, "'for I warn you that I'll stand no resistance "'when I'm on duty.' "'So determined was the appearance of the captain "'that both McMurdo and his boss "'were forced to accept the situation. "'The latter managed to have a few whispered words "'with the prisoner before they parted. "'What about?' "'He jerked his thumb upward "'to signify the coining plant. "'All right,' "'whispered McMurdo.' "'who had devised a safe hiding place under the floor. "'I'll bid you good-bye,' said the boss, shaking hands. "'I'll see Riley the lawyer and take the defense upon myself. "'Take my word for it. They won't be able to hold you.' "'I wouldn't bet on that. Guard the prisoner, you two, "'and shoot him if he tries any games. "'I'll search the house before I leave.' "'He did so, but apparently found no trace of the concealed plant. "'When he had descended, he and his men escorted McMurdo to headquarters.' "'Darkness had fallen, and a keen blizzard was blowing "'so that the streets were nearly deserted. "'But a few loiterers followed the group, "'and emboldened by invisibility, "'they shouted imprecations at the prisoners. "'Lynch the cursed scour!' "'They cried. "'Lynch him!' "'They laughed and jeered as he was pushed into the police station. "'After a short, formal examination from the inspector in charge, "'he was put into the common cell. "'Here he found Baldwin and three other criminals of the night before, "'all arrested that afternoon,' "'and awaiting their trial next morning. "'But even within this inner fortress of the law "'the long arm of the freeman was able to extend. "'Late at night there came a jailer "'with a straw bundle for their bedding, "'out of which he extracted two bottles of whiskey, "'some glasses, and a pack of cards. "'They spent a hilarious night "'without an anxious thought as to the ordeal of the morning. "'Nor had they cause, as the result was to show. "'The magistrate could not possibly, on the evidence, "'have held them for a higher court.' "'On the one hand, the compositors and the pressmen "'were forced to admit that the light was uncertain, "'that they were themselves much perturbed, "'and that it was difficult for them "'to swear to the identity of the assailants, "'although they believed that the accused "'were among them. "'Cross-examined by the clever attorney "'who had been engaged by McGinty, "'they were even more nebulous in their evidence. "'The injured man had already deposed "'that he was so taken by surprise "'by the suddenness of the attack "'that he could state nothing beyond the fact "'that the first man who struck him wore a mustache he added that he knew them to be scourers, since no one else in the community could possibly have any enmity to him, and he had long been threatened on account of his outspoken editorials. On the other hand, it was clearly shown by the united and unfaltering evidence of six citizens, including that high municipal official, Councillor McGinty, that the men had been at a card party at the Union House until an hour very much later than the commission of the outrage. Needless to say that they were discharged with something very near to an apology from the bench for the inconvenience to which they had been put, together with an implied censure of Captain Marvin and the police for their officious zeal. The verdict was greeted with loud applause in a court where McMurdo saw lots of familiar faces. Brothers of the Lodge smiled and waved, but there were others who sat with compressed lips and brooding eyes as the men filed out of the dock. One of them, a little dark-bearded, resolute fellow, put the thoughts of himself and comrades into words as the ex-prisoners passed him. You damned murderers, he said. We'll fix you yet. Thanks for joining us for Part 2, Chapter 4 of The Valley of Fear. We'll return next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone, please share our show with friends, and send us a review if you get a chance, for 1001 Sherlock Holmes stories and the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Everyone out there, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.